Hey everyone, producer and media guru Pate here. The Everyday Eagles team is taking a much-needed break for the holidays, and we will be back in full force for Season 2 in January. But fear not, we've got a great Where Are They Now interview lined up for today that every Golden Eagle fan will enjoy. We love these interviews and want Everyday Eagles, just like you, to be more involved in them. We post who we are interviewing on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages to give our listeners a chance to send in questions that you would like for us to ask during the interviews. You can even voice record your questions and we can have our guest answer the questions directly from you on the show. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Everyday Eagles Podcast. And you can also find us on Twitter at Everyday underscore Eagles so that you don't miss out on any of our upcoming interviews as well as some of our social media swag giveaways that we're looking to do very soon in the coming year. Don't forget to subscribe to the Everyday Eagles podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, or wherever you download your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a rating and review on those platforms, as it really does help us out as we continue to expand as a podcast. Now, enjoy the show. Are you looking for the spot to kick back, relax, and talk all things Southern Miss? Well, you're in the right place. No need for the calculator here, Poindexter. We're average Joes who are passionate fans. This is for Southern Miss fans by Southern Miss fans. Welcome to the Everyday Eagles Podcast. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Everyday Eagles Podcast, where we are bringing you another fantastic Where Are They Now? But before we kick it off, I got to bring in that lovable co-host of mine, Mr. Lane Brady. What's up, Lane? What's up, Chuck? The night has finally arrived. You have been looking forward to this, man. It's like your, your Christmas has come early. It has. It has, man. I reached out. Uh... I reached out to uh, this guest a few weeks ago whenever he responded back and said he would come on. I got fired up, man. I'm not going to lie. He's one of my favorite Golden Eagles of all time, especially in the basketball program. So I was fired up about it, man. Yeah, we may have to uh, res- uh, send him to like the U.S. Marshals after this so it can go into like witness protection because um, you have been fangirling, brother. Man, I'm excited. <laughs> and I know you are. I just get good time. I have some questions for this guest that I cannot wait to have answered. Well, why don't you introduce this legendary Southern Miss folklore? I absolutely will there, Chuck. So, guys, tonight we are bringing on Mr. Clutch himself when it comes to Southern Miss basketball. Number five, Neil Watson. Neil, welcome to the show. Hello, hello, hello. How you fellas doing? Thanks for coming on, man. Yes, of course. Anything for the Eagles. That's right. Yeah, man. We're excited to have you on tonight. Man, uh I may I sent Neil a message. I just sent him one on Facebook a few weeks ago and he responded back and said, Yeah, I'll be glad to do it. And I I got all fired up, son. It was <laughs> It was probably ten thirty at night, and I'm fist bumping and texting Chuck and Peyton, <laughs> waking them up. Guess who I got coming on? You know, so I was excited. Thank uh, you, Neil. I, I appreciate that energy, my guy. I appreciate that. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. Well, Neil, we got some questions we like to ask all our guests, but uh, we posted some fan questions, and uh, the fans delivered this time. The listeners, you guys really delivered, and uh, Renee Horton actually asked two of the questions we normally ask all our guests anyway, so I'm going to treat this as a listener question instead of our question here. Renee Horton wanted to know, uh, she asked two questions, what made you choose Southern Miss, and what are you doing now, and are you still overseas? So I guess we'll digest this one at a time. What made you choose Southern Miss? Um, what made me choose Southern Miss was actually the the coaching combination of Larry Eustacey and Greg Heyer, um, and then being there around uh, Maurice Bolden, 
Ayaro Phillips, Lachey Page, uh, a lot of those guys, Gary Flowers, a lot of those guys before, um, some of them left and some of them stayed and played with me. Uh, it just felt like a family environment, and it felt like somewhere not only was I going to learn, you know, to be a better basketball player, a tougher one, uh, but also how to be a better person. Um, and that's what I really learned with those guys. So that's what ultimate, ultimately made me choose Southern Miss. Currently now, I run my own or my own basketball organization called T-Time. Um, and that stands for Time, Energy, Effort, and Attitude. And it's one of those things that, you know, most coaches tell you that only the player can bring that. But being a player, you can teach people, not just players, not just uh, athletes, how to apply your time, you know, how to overcome those mental lapses to keep high energy, to keep putting forth your best, your best effort, and how to have a positive attitude through it all. So I started a basketball organization. It's a youth one. It's second graders up to sixth graders, which is about seven or eight years old up to 12-year-old, and I do individual and little group training as well, which my oldest clients are uh, professional athletes playing overseas now, and a few Division One and Division Two NAIA athletes as well uh, throughout the country. So, And I'm also a JV and assistant varsity coach at Pembroke Hill High School in Kansas City, Missouri, which is a, a very prestigious school. Um, within the state. Very cool. So when did you get back from being overseas? Like, when did you decide to move back uh, to America, Kansas City, set all this up? When did all that happen? Uh, All that happened in 2019. I had just got back from uh, Iraq. I was in Baghdad. That was the last place I was at. And I got back home and just started to kind of rethink my my plan B. The previous summer before, I had had a, a great end of the summer coaching younger kids. Actually, some of the kids that I have now with me that are my fifth and sixth graders, they were second graders at the time. And, I mean, we just had a great end to the summer. And it kind of just put me in that mode of, okay, I've been thinking about I want to coach. And I don't necessarily just want to go high school to high school. And I don't necessarily want to go travel and try to find the best place to coach, you know, throughout the country doing college. I got a specific plan and it starts with starting my own organization. So, you know, the time is now. I need to start it now before later uh, while I got a good, you know, clientele and people who are actually waiting and ready for me to start the organization. Good deal. Well, Chuck's going to ask you the other two questions we ask all our guests. Go ahead and take it away, Chuck. Well, you know, first, man, let me let me follow up with what was it like playing in Baghdad, man? Mm-hmm. How intense was that? So Baghdad was actually extremely interesting, all right? So basketball, relatively, is about three or four years behind there. There are some Americans there who are actually doing you know, very well. Uh, and the money is excellent over there. But as far as skill set, tactics, um, things like that, it, it's a bit behind. So they depend on their Americans to do a lot of the heavy, a lot of the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, living life outside of Baghdad, you know, for anybody that knows me, you know, got to watch, see me play. I live just like I play, which is very, you know, not hard, but just to the fullest. So when I was in Baghdad, I moved around a lot. I walked around, you know, streets and uh, went to different cities. And there were, you know, military pretty much everywhere, every mm-hmm. half mile. There's some sort of roadblock. There's um, independent, like, contractors for security. It's not right. just like the government. Right. You know, if you got a lot of money, you can hire your own security, which could low key go against the government if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The food was actually pretty good. I gained a lot of weight out there, and <laughs> it was probably the the strangest thing and most uncomfortable thing was that my type of person, um, black American with dreadlock, you know, that are 
brown, blonde. You know, you guys got to see the 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 mohawk, the 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 dreadhawk, not the dreadhawk, right. but the mohawk but that was blonde up top, and now it's long enough where it's, they're actually long locked, and you know they weren't used to seeing that. So what could be seen as an uncomfortable stare or a disrespectful stare was really just I've never seen it before, so I don't know mm-hmm. how to take it in. Like basically, you're shocked. Um, wow. so, but being aware of that, it was never any problems or anything like that. I never felt, I never felt unsafe while I was out there. That's awesome though, man. For real. For mm-hmm. real. I, um, I will tell you, there were no women around. Okay. <laughs> there were, there were no women around to, to a T, you know, as a, pro, as a professional athlete, when you travel, you know, I was with somebody, uh, who I love very much and um, it wasn't the point of, you know, you want to see another woman, but in other countries, you see women out right. and things like that. When I say there were no women around, I mean, literally, there were zero women out, like not even one. Wow. And if one was out, she was a reporter and she was the only one. But other than that, you never really saw women out, like out ever. About. Were they yeah, out, out and about home or were they? Or they yeah. not have any women over there where they just stay in home? Or, <laughs> I mean, man. honestly, I believe they were, you know, true to cultural uh, mm-hmm. traditions and religious traditions. I believe they were in, in the house. You know, the playoff game I played, it was probably 2,500 2, people there. Not one woman was in the stands cheering. Wow. It, was all, it was all men and, and young boys. That's interesting. That is interesting. I realized it was like that over there. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, what was your, um, you know, we'll flip back to the, we're definitely going to ask you more about that a little later, but what was your, uh, major growing up or in, in college? So when I was, uh, at Southern Miss, my major, I, on my diploma or my bachelor's, it says uh, interdisciplinary studies, which is like a general focus, but my, my actual focus was anthropology. And my minor was uh, family studies. Okay, so I bet you did enjoy some Baghdad, man. That's some historical sites over there. Yeah. Yes, yes, I did. The fact that it's it's a desert, uh, it's a desert country. Like that's the appearance it gives off. Mm-hmm. But if you go up high enough in the mountains, it's a lot of snow and it's real cold. Yeah. Wow. Well, what was your favorite moment at Southern Miss? Ooh, man. Um, favorite moment, probably my favorite one of, I don't know, man, it was so many great moments. (laughs) Like, like having the, the charter, the charter planes to the NCAA tournament game Mm -hmm. in Pittsburgh, freaking amazing. Uh, you know, like again, that team was just truly exceptional. Uh, the charter planes to the NIT game, uh, like the send off, you know, the, the private escort, mm. the private escort out of the out of the city. Um, the win against Memphis. I mean, where the, they actually rushed the court. I've always wanted to be a part of that. And I was. Yeah. Got to experience it. Like, that's one of those things that's once in a lifetime. I mean, I so was it, in the section and I rushed the court with everybody. Did you? Did you? The, I, I was surprised. I was shockingly out of breath when we were out there jumping up and down. Like, <laughs> it's like, it. I was like, boy, I'm really. <laughs> that's, that's that's absolutely. That was a, an amazing time. Um, so, uh, but, but I got to pick one. I got to pick one. I would probably say, I would probably say that game winner against Marshall. That was probably my most favorite time at Southern Miss just because I think it showed how much grit that team had and how like we were undersized and it just showed how much we had to fight you know to really be where we were at um, and in the country that's awesome that's great well dude we want to uh dive into uh, to listener questions now lane is that what we're doing yeah chill you take it away with okay. your with your listener questions and comments we had several okay Chuck wanted to hit on, and then I'll jump back in in a second. So Perfect. go ahead. 
Well, first off, um, Common Sense Eagle and Miss Tara Kelly, who's a, a big listener to the show, um, uh, say that you are their favorite men's basketball player. So um, okay. they they have a lot of respect and love for you, man, for sure. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, Mr. Uh, Robert Goss asked this question, and, um, you know, if it's something kind of hard to talk about, we understand absolutely, but we're going to ask, um, what are some of your favorite memories with Jay Mills? And he says, rest in peace. And also, can you tell us about his personality? Did playing abroad give him any different perspectives on life or anything? Um, and was he serious about pitching for USM? Uh, <laughs> Jay Mills. Probably he probably would have been serious about pitching for USM had someone approached him, uh, but it wouldn't have been something he would have like went through the the ringer for you know to go through tryouts and all that sort of stuff. He just wanted to go out there and play. Um, it is you know it, it's fully okay to talk about it. Uh, some of my best moments with Jay Mills really came off the floor. Um, not many people knew him. Everybody got to see him, but Jay Mills was a bit a really, really big spirit. Like everybody around actual Hattiesburg embraced him, not just within, you know, USM. It was the entire city. So, you know, all of the love I felt, Jay Mills felt as well because he was the true inspiration behind playing hard for, for all of us, you know, to be 6'4 and really dominate the paint without ever really jumping above the rim was truly remarkable. Um, and he, he was the one who always inspired toughness and grit, you know, never to give up, always to fight, don't ever quit. And he was going to be the first one to fight for you in any situation. Um, there were some tough situations while I, were there, while I was there where uh, Jay Mills was definitely the first one to have my back or enter an altercation, you know, to, to really ensure that I was okay. So. He was, you know, what, what people saw of him on the floor was him in real life, too. He was a really good dad. You know, he was a really good uh, partner to my sister, Brianna. Uh -huh. uh, I'm, I'm godfather to his daughter, Ayara. So, you know, Jay Mills was like a, a, a heart and he, he was really the heart and soul of USM his two years there. Uh, I dedicated my my pro season in 2017 to him wearing his, wearing his number 24. That's awesome, man. Much love and respect. Much love. All right, Lane. Yeah, man. One of my favorite memories of Mills was just seeing him beat his chest after a big play. You remember that? <laughs> yes. Every Mills single chest. and one. Oh yeah, man! And I, I shoot, man! I used to do it back at him. I don't know if he ever saw me <laughs> doing it. But I'd pound my chest back at him. get him Mills, you know, like he was, he was a good one. Remember, man. remember that eagle he had cutting the back of his head? Uh huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, Dude, he's legendary for that, man. <laughs> yeah, man. He he was a loud spirit for sure. He was. So, so uh, we had a question here on Twitter here from Saint Gregory the Great. I have a hard time believing that's his real name. but <laughs> So he said, ask Neil what it was like to play when Southern Miss fans came out in large numbers and rooted for his teams like the days of the 80s NIT years and 90s run. Man, it was breathtaking. You know, um, I believe one day Southern Miss is going to get back to that sort of, you know, intensity, that sort of greatness, that sort of, you know, Southern Miss to the top, love and, and toughness. But that place really, you know, vibrated when it was packed like that. You know, and I know those guys in the earlier days experienced great times like that as well. But it was absolutely breathtaking walking out, hearing people cheer for you, you know, starting lineups. The fans, you guys, I mean, the student section was just amazing seeing everybody, for, you know, from the bottom row filled up all the way to the top. And Reed Green was, it was truly breathtaking. You know, hitting big shots in there was breathtaking. When you stepped on the floor, you started playing. It wasn't just to win. It was 
it was almost to like, y'all, we can't let them down because they pulled up. Like they, they show up, they showed up. They don't normally show up. They showed up. So we got to win for them. Like, we yeah. got to. <laughs> yeah. We got to. They show up to football games. That's, that's 32,000 every Saturday, you know, every weekend. They, 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 they do football. But basketball, we get, we get 2,000. You got to show up. We're, we're starting to get five or 6,000, 7,000. Oh, we got to play, fellas. Mm. We got to win. We got to win for them. It means more. You know that they're here supporting us. We can't let them down. Yeah, man. I, you know, in my lifetime, I think you guys have probably the best fan section, like the best fan interaction in my lifetime. They're trying to get it back that way right now. Clear. Yeah, they're doing good. They're doing good. They're doing good. What's happening there? They they come out come out the yeah. gates on fire. On fire. Uh, we, still, we still don't have the the stands packed like it was for you guys, man. It was. Right. Like every every game was hopping for you guys. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, that's a testament to watching you guys play too, though, man. You guys were fun to watch, and uh, this bunch this year they they got some similarities to some things that you guys did, and it's been fun to see. But um, yeah, no doubt, man, that's awesome. And then uh, my buddy Jason Souls, he uh, he actually he's the one he sent me a picture, two pictures of his daughter. With you back whenever you were playing, yeah, I seen them. Yeah, you were her favorite player, and he took that. You took some pictures with him and all, and he he still reminisced on how nice you were to his daughter back then. And he said, uh, he said he was her absolute favorite. His daughter's name's Berta. He said he, he was her he was her favorite. And he said um, he wanted to know. He has two questions. The first one is, what was normal practice days like, for Coach? You station. <laughs> Uh, normal practice days for you, Stacy, were more like fight wrestling yeah. matches. <laughs> um, that that gritty team you saw, we had so much love for each other because we fought each other so much every single day. It was a fight for you know, and not like a real fist fight or anything like that, but just a, just pure battle, just pure going to war. Um, in practice, and you, Stacy, really built our our mental to be able to withstand anything. Um, we didn't, you know, it was truly remarkable how he got guys to do what we did. But they were hard, man. They were hard. They were really hard. They were mentally tough. They were physically tough, and they were long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were long. They were not short practices. They were long. Every every practice we had was was long man and it was you had to be prepared for it one thing you stacy was really good at and his staff was really good at was finding guys whether it be they on their last leg or whether you know it be this is their choice to come play for him he got guys that love the game and would do anything to win especially you know for their brothers so when we united you stacy had you know, what I would say was the best team in Southern Miss history, like one of the best teams in Southern Miss history, for sure. Well, it's interesting you say that as it leads right into his next question. He said, what was the turning point that led to that success of the 11-12 team that went to the tourney? So do you remember a specific turning point where you guys kind of jailed? Yeah. Um, it was at, the turning point for that team actually started in the summer. Four, four or five guys, four or five of us uh, went to Houston and did a camp with John Lucas, and we came back just completely together. And I think that core, that mixed with the core that was already returning, and we all linked up and meshed up in the summertime. We had such great leadership. I think the summer was the turning point. Like the summer was the beginning for us. We all decided then that we were going to buy in. We was going, you know, deal with you, Stacey's madness. We was going <laughs> to adjust. Yeah, because that, that was the hardest thing, dealing with his madness. We was going to adjust and we was going to play and everybody was going to be mature about situation. Instead of acting irrationally and immature, we had one goal in mind and we all bought into it. And I think because we did that so early, the start was initially the turning point. You know, when everybody linked up together, that was the turn. That 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 was it for us. Awesome. 
And then uh, my wife actually is Mary Lois Brady. She was your, she was Mm -hmm. the tutor for you guys during study hall back then. She was a student at Southern. She was one of the tutors for y'all. She tutored your basketball team in study hall. And she said, uh, she said, Neil, I tutored you and your teammates during study hall at USM. Yeah. She said, of all the players I tutored, you were one of the best at staying on top of your work. What was your secret to being successful in the classroom and on the court? Uh, my secret to success in the classroom was I was ineligible one time in high school. And it was so silly. Pop quiz, the second day into the start of the new quarter. And I got two out of five. Two out of five is not passing. And ineligibility came out on that Friday. <laughs> and this was a Thursday. So I was punished for that for the entire year. Had to come off the bench uh, as a lesson, you know, learned. And I learned that lesson. I was like, I'm never going to be ineligible again. So it's always been a priority of mine to keep my grades, you know, up. Everybody's not going to be a straight A student, but giving your best effort in school will keep you eligible to play the game you choose to play. You know, so you can't be a leader ineligible. Mm. Yeah. That's a That's good right. word. That's right. And then uh she said, I also remember you being a very vocal leader and your teammates responded really well to you. What was the secret behind your leadership that you had? Oh, I took a lot of abuse, Mary. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that that was, you know, I really truly appreciate every single teammate I had in my three years at Southern Mississippi because, you know, being six foot eight being, you know, 220 pounds, being just naturally bigger than me, you know, it's not hard. To, I mean, it's not easy to listen to guys smaller than you. But I earned the guy's respect through my play, you know, and how I led through, the, you know, being a good student, um, not getting into trouble. First one into practice, last one out of practice. When guys needed me, I was there. I led by example. So, um, for bigger players and for anybody out there who's trying to become a leader, you got to lead by example before guys are going to follow you. You know, you can't mm-hmm. talk the talk. You got to really walk it. You know, you can't say work harder and you're not giving your, your best effort. Um, all the effort I gave, I, I made sure I was first in sprint before I said anything to anybody. You know, I made sure I was going the hardest in the weight room or, you know, I had to go get guys to come to study hall because study hall was hard to get to after a long day of practice in class. <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to call guys a thousand times to go get them, you know. Uh, but guys knew guys knew that I had their back. So on the court, it wasn't hard for them to trust me. And I think that's how I gained my, my leadership, you know, through a, what I would call a really tough, tough group of guys I played for. I mean, Jay Mills, RP, Michael Craig, Davion Boardingham, you know, Gerald Brooks, Lachey Page, Maurice Bolden, Yarrow Phillips. I didn't even get to play with him, but the amount of mental toughness he gave me being off the floor and how he challenged me, you know, without him ever even stepping on the court with me in a game was just remarkable. Uh, everybody I played with just played a part and then they just followed me when it was time to. Good deal. Awesome. Earned it the right way. Yes, sir. (laughs) Well, Chuck's got some questions for you. I'm going to turn the floor over to him. Chuck, take it away. Yeah, I'm not going to be too painful, man. We'll make it (laughs) it painless. Uh, One question I wanted to ask, uh, I I don't think I uh, prefaced this, but uh, are you a Royals fan, man? I mean, growing up in Kansas City and... Um. I'm not really a baseball person. Like yeah. I really Southern Miss got my best support in baseball because of those dang funnel cakes. And my <laughs> guy, my guy Randy, used to bring me some beignets. I man, I miss those here in Kansas City. Don't have a beignet down here, uh, up here, but the Royals may now they don't really catch me in games there. I can't lie. I don't. I, gotcha. I don't I keep gotcha. up with them. I, I don't keep that. up with them. I, I will tell you, I haven't. I'm now I'm a real non-fan. You know, I didn't join the parade. Yeah. I wasn't like bandwagging it when we won it. I've mm-hmm. kind of been, you know, neutral side, like, ah, the day is nice. And I got my allergy medicine. I'll go out there and watch a game. Go watch a game. I got you, man. That's understandable. <laughs> yeah. I get it. I get it. 
Well, uh, so back to basketball, was there any school that you hated playing more than anyone else? Uh, ooh, a school I hated playing. Do you mean like hated playing because they were so good, or do you mean like actually didn't like them? Either or, man. Whichever one you want. Whichever one you want to tell us. Okay, I hated playing East Carolina because they were so unpredictable. Love the guys on the team, Miguel Paul. Uh, those guys, him and after him, um, Akeem Richmond. Those guys were freaking awesome players and awesome people. And then the team, I just didn't like. Like I couldn't stand their players. You know, I don't really just dislike anybody. Yeah. Um, but the team I wanted to beat the most was Memphis. Memphis, I got yeah, you. Wish I wish I could have got them more, but I got them one time, and I think it might be the only time in a long time. So I'm Damn. happy with that. Right. And that's when it counted too, man. And when it counted, yes, sir. That's right. Well, uh, what do you think is you know obvious? Uh, besides the obvious, I guess, what is the biggest difference? And playing community college basketball versus Division One, I would say the quickness and strength of guys. You know, those are, you know, outside of, you know, freshmen, those are men, you know, young men playing um, the game. And, uh, you know, gaps close quicker. Um, guys are bigger, they're stronger, they're, they're faster, they, sh- they shoot faster. Uh, it's a real physical change and the extreme mental change as well. You got to be, you got to be mentally fit and prepared to play Division One basketball. But JUCO is JUCO is real scrappy and, and it's also unpredictable as well because yeah. you get guys from all over from Division One, Division Two, locally, out of state. You get guys from all over that are extremely talented. Other sports that could just any day of the week come in and take your spot. For sure, man. Uh, you you played in the NABC Division One All Star Game. Kind of tell us what that was like. Man, that was one of the best experiences of my life. I met some great guys out there: Anthony Ireland. Um, uh, gosh, I can't remember my boy's name right now, but he played that good. Played at Gonzaga. Uh, I met some really great guys out there. the The actual experience playing in the game was awesome. The playing in the Dallas Cowboys arena was probably the hardest adjustment I've ever had to do in basketball because it was so much open space behind the rim. Oh, yeah. And it was clear. So it was like a never-ending, you know, view for me. I couldn't I couldn't really gauge on the rim and didn't have much time to really practice in there because we ended up practicing in the Dallas Cowboys Dallas Cowboys, I'm sorry, and the Dallas Mavericks uh, practice gym. I got gotcha. you. So two complete different environments. Big time different environments, yeah. Well, uh, so you know you you were you were playing at Toledo, right? And then you were granted a release from Toledo, or or asked right. to you know asked to leave once they got a new coach. Walk right. us through that. Was you know was there anger? Was there some excitement? Was there some thankfulness? And then fast forward a little bit, you got to face them in the first round of the NIT. How did that feel? Man, I'm not going to lie to you. When I first got let go from Toledo, I was definitely, I don't want to say I was hurt, but I put a, it gave me a chip on my shoulder, mm-hmm. a, a real big chip on my shoulder. I already felt like I had a lot to prove at Toledo. The The guy that brought me in, the, the coaching staff that brought me in is now gone. I'm playing for a whole new coach who I know is going to try to bring in his own guys. But, you know, I'm staying here to keep my scholarship because I've made friends here. You know, mm-hmm. I've I become accustomed here. I know the league. You know, I waited a year. It's my time. Right. Um, and what it ultimately came down to is the coach just didn't want me. And it's a new coach, new system, new team, new conference. Why wouldn't you want your guys that you pick? You know, it. It just makes sense. But as a kid, you don't see that. Right. You just see that the coach let me go and, you know, I'm mad now. Um, And then fast forward to, you know, playing them in the NIT, you know, sort of like God just blessed me. 
Yeah. You know, like sometimes you get, sometimes you get blessings, you get miracles, you know, that you don't see coming, but they're truly, you know, you've been preparing for this moment, you know, and it wasn't a championship game, but it was an extremely important game, you know, at home and growing up, you know, maturing in the game of basketball and in life, you know, having you, Stacy, having Tyndall, uh, you get to that point where, you know, he wasn't trying to hurt my feelings. He didn't think I was a bad player. Mm-hmm. He just he just wanted the guys he chose. And right. Everybody would do that. Every coach would do that. It's not a it wasn't a personal call. It was a business call or it, mm-hmm. it was a business decision. So I think, you know, ultimately, that's what held me on top and had me play great in that game. You know, is it was no hard feelings. It was no I hate that guy. You know, I, I want to punish them or anything like that. It was you made the call for your team. I respect it. No hard feelings. This situation worked out for me better. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. You know, sometimes in life we think that, um, you know, with those doors closed, that that that's kind of man, this sucks. This is terrible. But it's really God protecting us from something else and giving us something better. Right. It, it could have been completely some worse. Me staying at Toledo, I could mm-hmm. not have been played and end up wanting to transfer and had wasted a year. You know, mm, absolutely. And you know that coach not believed in me. Where one thing about Larry Eustacey and Donnie Tindall, Tindall, they both trusted me. You know, with their lives out there on the court. Yeah. You know that other coach probably wouldn't have done that. Right. And you, you know, now that you brought up Eustacey and Tindall, you played for both, and you know, both of them great coaches in their own on respect. But compare their coaching styles for us. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> you Stacy. You Stacy style is hard nosed defense. Go get a bucket. We don't need a play. We don't need to set nothing up. You're tougher than him. Go score on him. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get a stop. Tyndall's is tough, hard nosed defensive rebounding, just like you Stacy, but a very structured offense. Very technical. Very tactical. Very disciplined. Um. He's got guys, you know, in spots, in positions. And if you're not doing your job, you're going to mess up the play. Right. No doubt. Now, was, you said she was one that, like, always had the, the Diet Coke. What? Yes. 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 Like, Every yeah. practice. Did y'all ever mess with his Diet Coke just to, just to mess around with? Never. Is that a Never. no-go? <laughs> Never. Never, ever. <laughs> it, it was really no need to. Yeah. Because he barely finished it. He never finished the Diet Coke. He only took like two or three sips and then he pop a new one. And he kept a, a cold, a refrigerated cooler with him, like a carryable one. And he kept a six pack in there every everywhere we went. That's hilarious. That's awesome. Literally everywhere we went. <laughs> well, uh, is there a game that you, you know, that you think you'll remember for the rest of your life? Was it the Memphis game? Um,. The game I'm probably going to remember for the rest of my life. Dude, I'm going to remember a lot of those games. Yeah. Freaking Ole Miss at, at USM was absolutely stupid. Southern Miss uh, playing Memphis at USM was nuts. Uh, Louisiana Tech at Southern Miss was nuts. Mm-hmm. Man, Old Dominion at Old Dominion where we silenced the whole crowd. Like we just shut everybody down. Can't lie, man. K-State was a lot of fun. Okay. Um, if I could pick one, I'm not going to say the Marshall game again. I'm going to say that I, I, I'm going I'm to say that win against Memphis. Yeah. Not only because we beat them, but because uh, Reed Green was sold out. Nice. That was a big game, man. That was a huge game. Well, uh, I got three more questions, Lane, so get on deck. Um, so part of the fun in watching the players, um, is, you know, kind of when they jaw back and forth, either with their, you know, their, their physical language or with their mouth. Right. Did you, uh, did you have any players or coaches from other teams that you can remember that really just got (laughs) under your skin? Uh, nobody ever got under my skin. Yeah. But I did love the battle between, uh, Speedy Smith at La Tech and, uh, Joe, I'm trying to think. Is it Joe Smith? He was at a uh, Memphis. I don't know if Joe, I don't know if Smith is last. I don't know if Smith was Joe's last name. Mm-hmm. That's blanking on me right now. But the point guard at Memphis, uh, 
I love those battles, but it was never really a job. You know what? The the best talk trashing team was Marshall. Really? <laughs> uh, we that was I take everything back. That was the best trash talking team. We talked trash with them all the time. All the time. Every single game, all the time, and it never stopped. That's hilarious. <laughs> who man. was the best Every trash game. talker on our team? I gotta know. That bunch, the who best, was the best trash talker on your team? The best trash talker on our team? Well, you know who it is. It was Jonathan Mills. <laughs> Jonathan Mills. The be- now, it was the best trash talker on that NCAA tournament team was Jonathan Mills. And then I was next behind him. I talked a lot of trash. And then uh, the Tyndall era, the best trash talker was uh, Dwayne. Uh, Dwayne. Dang it, what is Dwayne's last name? Davis. Dwayne Davis, yes. Dwayne Davis was the best trash talker, dude. He could fill it up. That's and uh, um, And then when he was gone, it was probably me. <laughs> so you're always a close second right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely talked the most trash. Um, I, I knew my boys wouldn't have my back, but I also was absolutely probably killing whoever I was playing against. So <laughs> it, 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 it kind of got me going. No doubt. All right, man, two more questions, and I'll turn it over to Lane. Um, how big of a factor do fans play in basketball games? You know, having a good rowdy student section, do y'all feed off that energy? 1,000%, man. I, I would say Southern Miss was great for all the games, all the achievements I got, um, all the success the team had. But I truly believe that we had all of that success because we had people showing up to the games. When I tell you that players play because they really do not want to disappoint their fans, especially a mid-major like us. Southern Mississippi is a mid-major. It's not a a power Mm six-conference school. So, you know, uh, students are not really going out unless you're really good. So when when students show up, it's like, yeah, we got to turn up for them. And then when you see local fans there as well, it's like, all right. You know, the Hattiesburg, the city is out tonight. We got we got to show love, you know. Yeah. And it, it gives you like this extra boost, man. Like every shot that goes in, it's like, you know, boom, fatigue rejuvenates. You know, my meter, you know, 2K, my meter goes back up. Yeah. I got more energy for defense. And, you know, now the fast break, you know, in practice, probably wasn't dunking that well, you know, in practice this week. But in this game, the, the fans are here. Uh-uh, I got the I got the adrenaline to get it now. You know, so feeding off of it, feed off the energy that 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 crowd support is is truly um, is needed. It's needed. You don't need to be a good team or you don't need you know, a team doesn't necessarily need to have a crowd to be a good team because they're taught things and there's disciplines and you, sh- you have a game plan you're trying to um, achieve. But when you had the fans behind you, oh, that puts you in Super Saiyan mode, man. I don't know if you guys watch Dragon Ball Z, but. You know how they go into Super Saiyan mode and turn into yeah. a whole different, turn into a whole different person. <laughs> a whole different person. <laughs> that's man. That's that's uh that's what the fans do. They turn into a whole different team, whole different player. Well, okay. So you just added another question. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> have you watched any basketball games this season? Have you been able to see any? I've not been able to get, see any, okay. but I have been keeping up. Um, and I see how it, it's kind of a different team from last year. It is. And I, and I think a big part of that, you know, is not only the players that Jay Ladner's brought in, but Coach Cardona. Like, have you heard of him? Like, that man uh, is a ball full of energy. Oh, is he? That's yes. good. Like, he is. I mean, you can hear him on the radio. You can hear him sitting at the top row of the bleachers at Reed Green. I mean, yeah. that man is yelling stuff and, and just... Ah. Just so much energy. That's good. So much That's energy. good. Yeah. You need yeah. that. You need that high energy. That's the only mm-hmm. reason. Man, think about those Tyndall days. When we had, when I was with you, Stacy, we had uh, Maurice Bolden at six foot ten. We had uh, Tory Pelham at six foot eight. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Mills at six foot five. Like even though those guys aren't true postmen, you know, except Jay Mills, we still had a little bit of size that you know could get up there and tip balls out and whatnot too. Right. When I was with uh, Tyndall, our biggest guy was Davion Boardingham at six foot six, six foot seven. Mm-hmm. 
He wasn't a true six eight. So we had to be a scrappy, scrappy group. Like we yeah. had to really, really fight. So it I mean it worked out, but it plays itself out as well. Yeah. Well, uh my last question is, and this is a um, you know, just a for fun question. Uh you've been known to get uh a couple of double doubles in your career. Yeah. Um a few weeks ago we had another player who uh who had a few double doubles in her career. So are you are you uh, familiar with Pauline Love? Pauline Love. I've heard the name. Yeah. I'm not familiar. I'm not too familiar. Great Southern Miss player. Well then I guess that that kind of takes away my question. I was going to ask who would win one on one against you or Pauline. Oh, I'm very um respectable to ladies, but I'm taking myself over everybody. Are you? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm taking I think I would I think I would give her a regular regular Neil and not uh fear the mass Neil. Okay. You know? it, <laughs> yeah, I got you. Fear the mass was like he he's like the real killer. He doesn't play any games, but regular Neil might just win by, you know, four or five points. Nothing crazy. You know, that was uh uh I think I interviewed Michael Jordan and, you know, he asked uh some reporter asked if, if um he thought that they could beat the current Lakers team. He said, I think we probably win by a bucket or two. Mm-hmm. And um they said just by that little, he's like, We gotta keep in mind we're all in our sixties now. <laughs> so, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It was a good time. That that, that that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. We're all in our sixties now. So <laughs> that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. All right, Lane, it's all yours, man. All right. Uh, my first question was: Was there a player you tried to model your game after? Like, who'd you look up to growing up? Growing up, I really looked up to. Well, okay, I'll go. I'll go down the timeline for you. In high school, I looked up to this guy named Jeff Hawkins, who's actually my head coach now at that school I was telling you about, Pembroke Hill High School. He was just like a beast coming out of high school. Um, that was like what really spot inspired my love to play basketball and want to go play D1 because he went D1. He went to the University of Kansas, and that was kind of unheard of at the, at that time. Uh, and then after that, I really started to fall in love with Steve Nash's game. And then I was already a shooter. So naturally, once I saw Stephen Curry, that kind of took me to, you know, new heights of what I wanted to become as a point guard. Oh, yeah. Those are some good ones. Uh, so, growing up, did you play any other sports, or were you specialized in basketball? So, I played football when I was younger. My last year playing football was my freshman year in high school, and I played uh, special teams. I was kick return, pump return, and the slot receiver. And it was fun for a while, but I love basketball, and one thing I really one thing I really took from my parents, my dad especially, he said, Man, if you really love this game and you really wanna, you know, be a division one athlete like you've been telling me you wanna be and you wanna you wanna play professionally, you got those dreams, then you need to set aside, you know, playing other sports and, you know, spending that time doing those things because you got to dedicate yourself to this game. You got to give it all you got. So after my freshman year, I didn't play anything else. I, I, I'm a big lover of soccer. I love soccer, and I love <laughs> playing. Yeah, I love soccer and I love playing ping pong. I'm really good at. I'm really good at ping pong. There you go. There you go. Uh, and then, uh, when did you realize you had this gift of being a basketball player? When did you realize, like, I'm better than these other dudes? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I got uh, a shot. When I was when I was three or four years old, um, basketball was it sort of like came natural to me. You know, I wasn't you know blessed like you know LeBron or Kyrie or Steph Curry or anything like that. But I did naturally get it, and I worked really hard at it. So I always felt like I was better than people, but I never act like I was better than people. I just you know went out there and played, and if I could beat you, I was gonna beat you. No, I wasn't going to take it easy because I was small. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. And, and, you know, you mentioned your uh, the organization you started up the uh, and your coaching basketball. So when did you decide 
to start up that organization? When did you decide to coach? And what's your goal in all this? What you're doing? Why? What's what's your why behind all this stuff you're doing now for the game of basketball? Yes, sir. So it's uh, tea time, and the plan for tea time is to take my current kids now that I have, which is uh, my oldest team is fifth and sixth grade combined, is to take them up to their 17 or 18 years old senior year, and we do the elite AAU circuit for basketball. Um, and keep building a keep building a team, keep building a team under them every year, uh, and just continue to keep growing every year the organization. So, um, I did have a little, uh, uh, I did have a little dream of doing some college coaching, but the tea time is really starting to come together, and we, I really just wanted to become one of those elite organizations in the elite basketball organizations um, in the country, you know, in about five or six years' time. Awesome. Awesome. So that's the goal. You're, you're on kind of a five, ten-year plan there to, to really boost that thing up. And, man, you're going to feel almost like a daddy to these youngins by the time they get up there, huh? You'll have the same <laughs> kids all the way to their 18? Yeah, that I mean, the one thing about the AAU circuit is that it's full of talent. And it's full of kids that's been doing it since they were kids. Now, all of them haven't played together, you know, for that long. But they're so talented, they don't need to. They just need structure and discipline. So having a team that is going to be, like, my kids are going to be big. They're going to have size. They're going to have everything that the elite circuit uh, will require to really compete and to earn a scholarship when they get older. It's just we'll also have that extra notch of chemistry. Knowing your teammate is just as good as anything you can have, you know, on a championship team. Knowing where they're going to be, when they're going to be there, you know, how to cheer them up, when they're feeling down, you know, how to motivate each other. You know, that just helps into becoming a championship caliber team, which is something we do want to become in a, you know, in a five to five to eight year a year time give them time to develop you know from you know i call them my babies because they are you know and like you said it, it will be like a father figure i call myself big brother to them their eldest brother because i have been you know watching them grow you know from little kids and it's like all right you know i'm seeing them go from listening to every single word i say to venture off and you know finding who they are and their little personality and and rolling into it with that so it, it's, it's really cool you know to see it and it would be really really awesome to keep it you know all the way to the 18 oh yeah absolutely well uh i want to i want to dip back into some southern myth times here with you here um you have hit some of the most clutch shots i can remember at reed green college <laughs> like you mentioned the the marshall game winner i remember that one but I remember, I distinctly remember two other buzzer beaters you've hit to send it into overtime, uh-huh. uh, the win games that we weren't supposed to win, all those things. Just Did you just thrive on that type of pressure? Or what was going through your head? How did you handle that moment so well? Because you seemed to always, if it came down to a last shot, everybody in the Coliseum was like, Neil Watson's about to put this thing in there. <laughs> He's about to fill up the bucket. And we're about to get out of here with a win. Like, yeah. what, how did you handle that pressure and the emotions there in that moment? Um, I would say I handled it because I really prepared for it. You know, the things that people didn't see were the 1 a.m. sessions where I was in the gym taking those very shots that I made. You know, it was only really two or three buzzer beaters I really hit in my career, but it was only really two or three opportunities to hit those buzzer beaters you know, in my career as well. So I would say it was the preparation, you know, the getting up multiple shots every day before practice, after practice, blowing up my coach's phones, you know, to come unlock the gym so I could, you know, shoot more just to really be prepared for that situation. And I also felt like my teammates put me in that situation as well. I feel like nobody ever really questioned me getting the last shot or me taking the last shot. I felt like nobody would ever blame me if I missed the last shot. 
um, I felt like I had the responsibility that I put on myself that if I make it, they're going to love me. But if I miss it, they're going to hate me. And I'm okay with both because I'm putting the time in. And all of my teammates saw me putting the time in. You know, they come in to get shots. I'm in there shooting. They leaving after they shooting. I'm still in there shooting, you know. So I believe I was just really prepared for those situations versus letting them just shock me and then be like, okay, overthinking the time. You know, I knew once I got it, I'm taking the shot. We've worked for this. If we miss it, you know, we live to fight another day, but we prepare for this so we can make the shot. So it was a mind, it was a strong mindset. It goes back to the respect you earned from them. That's awesome. So, um, my favorite question I like to ask our guests is you, you basically live with these basketball players you grew up with and and you play with their mess. You always end up with a bunch of stories. Do you have any funny stories you want to share with us? Obviously, podcast appropriate here, Neil. But, of course, of course. <laughs> are there any uh, uh, any funny stories you want to share about something you and your teammates got into or did or anything? I don't know. I'm trying to think of a funny a funny story. We didn't really have like those funny stories amongst our team. We had a lot of funny time, you know, and I and I can't honestly say our funny times were us being college boys. Yeah. So it, it wouldn't, you know, it's not really something that, you know, I would say you should necessarily like go out and do this to have funny times and have a good time. But it's something that being a college athlete and building the chemistry with your boys, you know, what guys like, what guys are into. And sort of opening yourself to your team, your teammate, you know, has you doing a lot of things. You know, we had funny times, great times at clubs. You know, we had funny times on team, on team, you know, events where we had to all be somewhere together. We had funny times at each other's houses because we always got together at, you know, one of each other's uh, apartments or townhomes, whatever we had. Uh, we had funny times on campus, like. We, that the teams I had, I can honestly say we were all together when we were there. Every single person from, you know, the new recruits that came in, like Aaron Brown, who transferred in from Temple, you know, was tight with myself and everybody else who was new to the team as well and who was old. We all had a bond where we all hung out, you know, two or three times a week. So with that, Tons of funny times came. Do I have a specific story? No, I don't. Because, you know, some things yeah. you do with your teammates, you just got to awesome. do with your teammates. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so. so tell us about the NCAA tournament, man. What's it like as a player getting to go play in that thing? Dude, it's awesome. You get a new pair of shoes from the NCAA. You get uh, a gift, which we got a watch from the NCAA. You get the you get to charter a jet, uh, charter a plane um, to your designated uh, state if it's if it's you know plane travel worthy. Freaking you know hotel room is fire. The warm up, there's media and press everywhere. The court is freshly done. The fresh Wilson basketballs. Um, people want to talk to you. Cameras all around you. Uh, the locker rooms are awesome. You know the most of the cities are you know, nice and, you know, close to the hotel so you can get out and do a little bit as well. Like It's a really great family environment. And then just in the actual game, like being in that moment, like you, you just find another level to play at. You know, I, I see why they call it March Madness because being in March Madness, being on that court, dude, you get superpowers. Oh yeah, like you you get superpowers when that ball releases your hand. You think it's going in, you know. You see miraculous shots because guys' confidence is just through the roof, and I understand it because I felt it. You know, even though we lost to K State, I had 16 points off the bench. It was just like I've always felt like that guy, but now I really feel like that guy. The ball sticking to my hand, you know, my passes are on. You know, <laughs> yeah. 
it, it's just it gives you super that that Goku mode, man. That's not the Goku mode. That Super Saiyan mode I was telling you about, man. That's what, <laughs> that's what I got being in NCAA tournament. I think that's what every player gets being in the NCAA tournament playing. You get that 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 Super Saiyan mode. You turn into a different person, a different player. I got you. And uh, last question here, and honestly, I love ending the shows with this. We ended the last, uh, where are they now with this too? How do you hope the Golden Eagle faithful will remember Neil Watson, number five, as a player? Ooh. I hope you will remember me as the player that inspired new culture. What a great answer, Mm -hmm. Chuck. Yes, sir. I love it. Yes, that's sir. all I got for tonight, guys. That's heck, man. I, I what an answer. <laughs> that's a good answer. When we get off air in a minute, I'm just gonna sit in my chair and be like, "Player that inspired a culture." Man. That's culture, awesome, man. I got I got faith in I got faith in Ladner. You know, even though yeah. one day it's a long shot. I, uh, you know, side note, um. I went to me and Ladner got a Ladner got a connection. I used to go to Jones Junior College and see uh, one of the old Golden Eagles, Saquon Stone, when he was up there coaching. So I got to be involved in some practices, and you know I was close friends with some of those JUCO players up there that played that won a, a national title. So um, and I spoke to Ladner quite a bit, and it's, I felt you know really awesome that he got the job up there. And I'm a big I'm a big fan. I'm a big a big believer in and Ladner. Um, but whenever his time comes, you know, if his time ever comes to an end in Southern Miss, I either want to be on his staff or I want to be a, a, a look, you know, for, for the AD I need, and the president, I need, uh, Dr. Paul, my guy. I need, you, yeah. I, need, I need you to look my way, which big shout out to Dr. Paul because he was a major influence to me when I was at Southern Miss. You know, people don't know that, but Dr. Paul, it is truly remarkable he got that job because he is an amazing man um and southern miss is under great leadership with him well he's deserved truly, he's truly remarkable yes well deserved well deserved so truly great sure. we were all excited I, you know i haven't met a single southern miss fan who had any like i don't i don't know how to put it who had any reservation about joe paul right like every person's been like oh yeah he's the best man for the job best man he's amazing Dr. Paul, so let's hope he let's hope he hear this, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, Jay, and Jay hear this. But I, hey, I'm taking. I love the way Southern Miss is looking. I think we competing for we we competing for a conference title, league championship this season. I think it's I think it's time we took our bumps the last two or three years. I think Jay got the right crew in there now. Them boys right. are looking good. I'm trying to come down for a game. That's how that's how inspired I'm getting. So come on, I can man, make it down there. I'll add us when you do too, man. We'll take you to I keg will. or something. Hey, listen, is uh mugshot still up? It is. It's still open, man. Dude, I love mugshot. We gotta go there. We'll go to mugshots then, man, for sure. For I've sure. never said no to mugshot. Never said hey, no to mugshots. Mugshot is remarkable every time. Right. Well, hey, man. Last thing, real quick. Is there any yeah. way that the the listeners can help what you're doing now? Can they sponsor a kid or? Make a donation, or or how does that work? Okay, so um, for anybody that's listening or wants to actually, you know, just help, it's really just follow, you know, follow, share, like. Uh, Instagram is tea time uh, is t e e a underscore time t i m e nineteen. You can follow that um, and just really just keep up through that way. Snapchat's the same. It's tea time nineteen. Follow, share, like. You'll see all. You'll see all my kids. Go check out the YouTube. You know, find my profile, Neil Watson, on YouTube, and you know, really just like and share. The more, the more love we can spread, uh, and the, the stronger mentalities we can build, we can build professionals that will be professionals and learn to be professionals through their 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 designated sport: basketball, football, baseball, soccer. You know, whatever. Teton mentality is. It's not just for basketball. I just teach it through the sport of basketball. I love it, man. I love it. And the world could use a few more Neil Watsons for sure. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on, man. Lane, any last questions or comments or concerns? Oh, man, I had a blast tonight. This me was too. fun catching up with you, Neil. It was fun. Sure. I appreciate you guys taking me down memory lane, man. I, I was just looking at some stuff the other day. 
Yeah, we'll come back anytime, man. Yes, sir. Um, thank you, Neil. Thank you, Lane. And special thanks to Pate for making us sound and look good. And yes, we'll sir. catch you next time on the Everyday Eagle podcast. And as always, Southern Miss to the, to the, the top, top, baby. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Everyday Eagles podcast. For Southern Miss fans, by Southern Miss fans. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EverydayEaglesPodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Everyday Eagles Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on the Everyday Eagles Podcast. Let's go!